0: You're listening to the JC and Morgan podcast presented by BP Skinner Clothiers. Folks, if you want to make sure that you look your very best, don't settle for the department store down the street or you're getting something off the rack that is lesser quality and you're dealing with salespeople that sometimes, let's face it, can be a little bit pushy. Get a guy whose sole goal is to make sure you look your very best and he goes out of his way to do so. When I say out of his way, I mean he's coming to you no matter where you're listening to us on this podcast. Brent Skinner, a BP Skinner Clothiers will come on out you book an appointment on the website bpskinnerclothiers.com he'll have a consultation with you he'll bring the samples of some of the most luxurious fabrics from the finest mills in Europe for you to look through as they begin to design your custom garment after that it's a few weeks and you are done. It's mailed to you at your door, and you're ready to go. You, like me, and so many others that Brent has worked with, will notice the difference in how you look and how you feel, and the price is right. Again, go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com, set up an appointment with Brent Skinner. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the country, and you will begin to look your very best. And now
1: for an inside look at
0: college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. It's time for another J.C. and Morgan podcast. Hello, everybody. He's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. We've got another week of college football to discuss, and we're going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, You know, we've been... Kind of combining these things, middle of the week, where we look back and go over everything that happened uh, the previous weekend in college football, and then we look ahead at the end. Well, we decided we might be shortchanging the look-ahead aspect, so what we're going to do... We're going to give you two for the price of one, which I guess is free times two, which is still free. Uh, We're going to do one look back, as we always do, the one that you've become uh, very fond of and have been listening to hopefully for a while, like we do uh, all the time, and that's this one. And then later on in the week, you're going to hear another one that's specific to just those games coming up on Saturday. So, uh, I guess you could say we're expanding. We're now doing two. The market just needed an extra J.C. and Morgan podcast per week, so that's what we're doing during the season. Anyway, we're going to
1: give you double the dosage of a good thing. J.C., how are you? Doing well, my man. Doing well. Uh, certainly uh, looking forward to this weekend of college football. Last weekend, just another one of those weekends. I, I just I, I keep saying this, but I can't get my I can't get my soul uh, into it. Um, Really enjoyed the Auburn-Florida game, though. I know we're going to talk about that and really enjoyed, you know, some of the other aspects. You know, I I was sitting there – when I'm sitting there thinking about how long it's been since Iowa has defeated a top, you know, 15 team on the road, you know the pickings are slim. So I was like (laughs) – you know, I was just sitting there contemplating that. So, um, you know, somewhat interesting. But, you know, looking at the schedule for this coming weekend, uh, and like you said, I am am excited about doing – you know two of these bad boys a week uh, so people kind of get their money's worth like you said free times two is still free but uh you know uh to kind of preview and review but uh, certainly you know this past week was a was another you know ho hum sort of thing i mean you know you got texas tech surprising oklahoma state um I guess that was of note. Uh, Purdue continues to be counted as, as some kind of big win for a lot of teams based on what, I don't know, because um, Purdue has been I mean, mediocre, you know, despite their win over Ohio State last year. But, you know, you hear some Penn State chatter now out there a little bit um, about the Nittany Lions maybe kind of being in the mix. Statistically, and I read this on um twenty four seven sports the other day that uh, Ohio State statistically may be the best team in the country right now, so that's all that's all kind of those are all kind of general takeaways uh, from this past weekend, but certainly uh, something that um, you know merits discussion i think in in my uh, little mind and um, uh, off topic you know i I'm, I'm hope hoping to go see that movie Joker. Uh, here this week, so hopefully we may have a J.C. movie review. Oh, on, I like that on on next week's episode. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about it and stuff. And yeah, uh, of course, Todd, uh, Todd Phillips who did The Hangover uh, and mm-hmm. Old School, two of my favorites, and I know they're on your must see oh, list yeah. as well, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, um, Yeah, you know, taking it taking a kind of a, a different turn with the dramatic uh, psychoanalytical. Uh, deep dive into the psychosis of the DC Comics um, character. I'm not a comic book man, but I do want to see that movie.
0: Uh, I'm not either. I generally uh, stay away from those kind of movies. I do think they've got the perfect guy for that role because, quite frankly, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, it, th- I don't know how much of that is acting. <laughs> Joaquin's a little he's a little off-center, as they say. Um, I, If you're going to give a movie review, because you know I, I feel like Maybe one good movie comes out every six months, so I don't give a whole lot of reviews anymore even though I love me some movies and wish we could get back to a day and age where good movies could be made and not just popcorn movies, so to speak. But we, we are in the golden age of television, I believe, Yes, if you if you include Netflix, Showtime, and HBO. And I've been told about this show for a while, and I'm always the last guy in. I didn't start watching to S- Sopranos till it was like three years in. Um, I, I, I'm not the, I'm not the guy that's going to lead the way. I am the guy that's going to go to people that I trust. And when they tell me, Mike, you would like it, then I'm going to start. So I've been hearing about this show for a while now and I saw bits and pieces of one episode in a hotel room on some random road trip for work. And I was like, wow, this is good stuff. I have no idea what I'm watching. The name of the show is succession and it's an HBO program uh, and I believe it's kind of loosely based on maybe uh, Rupert Murdoch. I'm not positive on that, but it's you know it, it, it's about a, a huge leader tycoon of media media conglomerate kind of guy and his family all uh, kind of set to perhaps inherit you know what he has. Whatever. I don't, again, I don't know how much that's based on one individual, but. The writing and the acting are brilliant, and that's the first two things I look for. I don't need special effects. I got over that when I was like nine. <laughs> um, I, 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 need, I need actually some creativity in the way of writing and acting, and it's got it, folks. Now, it's dicey language, let me just tell you. Uh, the, the most common used phrase in the show is blank off, <laughs> which is used about 12 times a, a, an episode because it's kind of the family saying. But holy smokes, it is really, really good. So that's that's my little uh, uh, Uncle Mike's TV review right off the bat. So with that being said, let's get out of Hollywood for a second, get back onto the gridiron and college football. And as I'm sitting here midweek in Atlanta, finally uh, the air conditioning is off. There is a cool, brisk breeze. Leaves are on the ground. It finally feels like football weather in the South. Thank goodness. Uh, with that, we hope the games are going to be better. And I'll just give you a sneak preview of podcast number two. There are some sexy matchups on paper, but there is continues to be a disturbing trend with all those matchups. Take a look at the point spreads, folks. Outside of, of Penn State, Iowa, take a look at the point spreads on, like, say, what most people consider the top five games. It's all double digits. Mm. It's all, like, two to three touchdowns. So, I mean, we're still at the point where it's the haves and the have-nots in college football, and I think everybody's just waiting and uh, yearning for that major upset to knock somebody off Survivor Island. It's the same six teams, and uh, we've talked about how stale that can be. Uh, It was a great game. Uh, Auburn-Florida certainly a good jumping off point, J.C. You mentioned it. That game lived up to the hype. Now, it was ugly at times. It was a turnover fest at times. Uh, I said going in, if Auburn wins it, I'm willing to put them in my, you know, my DEFCON five list, right? That join those other six. And we know the six by now: Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. I, I, if, if they would have come through on the road in the swamp, and by the way, the swamp actually resembled the swamp again, because I don't know what it's been for the last seven years. Uh, it's hardly been an intimidating venue. A lot of empty seats, lack of passion. Uh, but game day was there, and it felt like Spurrier-Urban Myers' swamp again for the first time in a while. Now, I'm on record. I don't think Florida's a great team. Uh, I think they're better without Felipe Franks, who, by the way, is considering, guess what, going into the transfer portal. Um, hmm. I don't think that would break many Gator fans' hearts if he did. Um, but they have done just enough, combined with Dan Mullen's coaching, and a really salty defense, they've done just enough. And that's what they did in that game. They did just enough. They, they had the one big run, but outside of that, they, they're not a great running team. It's not a great offensive line. And I think, and we'll talk about this on our other podcast, I don't think they're going to be able to run against LSU, which is why I think LSU is is going to win that game. But uh, they did just enough. And if they somehow do beat LSU, I'll put Florida on that defcon 5 list. I'll somehow sneak but I don't I'm not there. I'm just not there. More importantly, Auburn is what I thought they were and that is a really good defense and a good team with a freshman quarterback who finally looked like a freshman quarterback. And by the way, in terms of play calling, and I don't want to continue to beat that drum because every time Auburn loses a game, it's what the heck is Gus doing? Uh, how do you have the fastest man in college football touch the ball once? That would be my question. I mean, with with all the ways to get it into your playmakers, hands, jet sweeps, bubble screens, Wildcat, how does Schwartz only touch the ball once would be my question if I'm in War Eagle country. But the bottom line is, JC, we needed a good game, and we had one. We had Auburn Florida lived up to it. We'll see. I, I, again, I never considered Auburn a true national championship contender. I just don't see them getting out of the West. You look at the rest of their schedule, it is brutal. Even if they won that game, I I couldn't see it. But now they lost. Auburn's still got plenty to play for. We can't live in this day and age where it's the playoff or or you're just irrelevant. It still has a chance to be a really good season for the Auburn Tigers, but they're just not in that category of, of, of playoff contender in my estimation.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially with the result on Saturday. And look, I, I I'm with you. I was probably more adamant than you were about Florida not being that good. But Florida's one of those football teams this year, and it it's and I, Gator fans, I, I don't want you to get excited about this, okay? So don't uh don't get excited just yet. There are miles to go. Okay. <laughs> but it reminds me of the O six team. That uh Dan Mullen, of course, was the OC for that team. You know, that team did not score over thirty points against an SEC opponent until the SEC championship game. Uh kind of built on defense. Um, won some close ones, won some games. Maybe they thought they weren't gonna win um there at the end. Uh, and then put it all together again. They played Arkansas that year in the in the SEC title games 38-28. They put it all together on offense, and then all of a sudden that group gelled during practice for the BCS national title game, and they took Ohio State to the woodshed. And that kind of facilitated, you know, the rise of the Urban Meyer era and set them up to win it again two years later and to contend three years later. Um, And and sometimes, Mike, teams, I think, you know, we do live in this have and have-nots era. And, And you look at Bama and you look at their results and their average margins of victory, which are usually a couple touchdowns or more. Uh, very rarely does Alabama play down to the wire close game. Uh, I think Georgia's gotten a lot of credit for playing them down to the wire in a close game the last couple of years simply because it does not happen that often. Um, you know, and so that's a dominant team. Clemson's a dominant team, and, and you don't, people forget that Clemson played some close games the first time they won it. But then in 2018, last year, you know, Clemson was not seriously challenged. Um, but twice, and, and in one situation, Lawrence was hurt, and they were down to their third-string quarterback against Syracuse. The other situation was a game at A&M that they dominated. A&M came back at the end to make the final margin of victory close. So I think people's minds these days, and, and that's why people were, you know, kind of killing Clemson for playing a close game, you know, is that championship teams don't play close games. Well, I think sometimes, Mike, there's teams that do play close games. There's teams where you sit there and you go, man, they were were kind of fortunate to win. Um, But the fact that they won facilitates confidence. The fact that they faced adversity and still won facilitates like this confidence. Uh, and, And, you know, I saw it against Miami with Florida. I saw it against Kentucky with Florida. Uh, and I saw it on Saturday. You know, neither team on Saturday uh, was was killing it in terms of uh, execution. There were some turnovers. There were just some bad things that that occurred on both sides of the ball. But Florida kind of was able to be resilient. Auburn was not. Auburn kind of let things snowball. Let the crowd get to them, and you know, did not really take advantage. And by the second half, they were they were toast. But Florida, I think, as a result of facing that adversity against Miami, facing that adversity against Kentucky, you know, losing their starting quarterback. And Kyle Trask, I, I've always thought, was more skilled in the passing game than Felipe Franks, and, and I, I stand by that. I do think he's good. And that the strength of that team's offense is their receivers. Uh, so you need somebody to get on the ball. But but I think at times we do see teams like that. And, and I'm you know, I'm going to give Florida credit. Um, will they beat LSU? I don't know. Uh, i I don't know that they're going to win ten games this year when all is said and done, but I do know this at this point. Florida knows how to win Florida knows how to win football games. It's not always pretty, but uh sometimes when you're trying to get a program back to a championship level, you have to have a season like that where things kind of go your way and and you know your win total's probably a little bit better than you know your average margin of victory so uh hats off, they are proving me wrong by the week um The Florida LSU series is crazy. Uh, Visiting teams do win in that series sometimes. Uh, You know, they're going down there. Uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game, and uh, we'll certainly talk about it later. But uh, hats off to the Gators. You know, as far as Auburn goes, and you knew this was going to happen, the minute – they lose a football game. The the Gus is on the hot seat. Crap starts up again, <laughs> and I don't know that it's crap. I mean, I think that you know it. it, it he went from Auburn went from DEFCON four to probably DEFCON three uh, after that loss, and it's just the nature of how things stand there.
0: Yeah, it's 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 becoming. A little bit old i mean honestly you, you can't do it after every after every loss uh but I, there's other fan bases that do that too i mean they uh, immediately it's the sky is falling and fire this and fire that and, and that's that's why fans um are, they don't get the keys to the car <laughs> i mean they get to ride in it but you don't give them the keys because it's very emotional and it's just knee-jerk reaction central uh i don't know if 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 Gus is the the answer that for, of Auburn fans dreams, but I do know he's answer right now, and uh, this season they're having a good year. Again, it's a true freshman playing quarterback. That is, uh, even in this day and age, where quarterbacks are more advanced than ever. Uh, remember, he wasn't even he wasn't even the favorite to win the job back in fall camp. Most people thought it'd be Gatewood. So it's uh, let let's pump the brakes on. Every time Auburn loses a game, that uh, Gus is an idiot. I I just think that's that's kind of silly stuff. Uh, You mentioned my DEFCON list five four three two one to go back to uh, a very underrated B movie from the nineteen eighties War Games.
1: War Games. Yeah, when are they going to remake that? By the way, they should. Of all the crap that they do remake, you could you could remake
0: War Games, and that movie would still uh, it would still play today. I mean you could update obviously the you know where the world is and and uh, uh you know back then it was all about america russia and US. I remember <laughs> i remember kids on their skateboard would have the these stickers u s s r sucks like that was it <laughs> i mean people just hated russia and there was fear and the cold war and everything uh but you could still make that that movie play today and of course. What do we talk about so much? Computers and hacking and uh, all kinds of stuff. That movie was made in like 83. Mm-hmm. And so much of it still could uh, can stand the test of time today. But again, just a little Cliff Notes version. DEFCON 5 means everything is good in the world. That's what you want to be as a country. We want to be on DEFCON 5. And college football teams want to be on DEFCON 5, like the Fab Six that I mentioned at the top. DEFCON 4, still pretty good territory. 3, eh, could be a little angst. Two, no bueno. One, just ask Rutgers. It's not a good place to be. Um, so De- DEFCON 5 hasn't changed. Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU, Clemson. Uh, I'm going to put uh, introduce a new team to DEFCON 4. And I was mad at myself last week. I, uh, when we get these things done and we put them in the hopper, I contemplate two things. Number one, the meaning of life. And number two... <laughs> did I get to everything I wanted to on the JC and Morgan podcast? Well, I still haven't figured out the meaning of life, but I was upset with myself that I didn't bring up a good story. And I was worried if they lost this past weekend, then I couldn't really talk much about the story. But then down three touchdowns late, the pony express of sunny Dykes and the fighting SMU Mustangs reminded me I can talk about them. They came through SMU. That is right. Hail, Sonny Dykes. Hail, Pony Express. Hail, post-death penalty, SMU. Uh, look, it's a great story. I know they're in the American. This is not me saying that SMU is like UCF a couple years ago. and We had to have this big debate on whether or not they should be in the playoff. None of that applies. And you know what? The people there don't care. All they know is this is a program. That hasn't been 6 and 0 since 1982, since guys like Dickerson and James were toting the rock. And then, of course, rampant cheating. And we know they're the only school in uh, the old Southwest Conference that paid players. Rampant cheating, they get busted. And, and the NCAA did something they never did before and had never done since and never will do again. And that is they gave them the death penalty. Uh, If you look at the sanctions, if you haven't seen Pony Excess, the 30-for-30, it's outstanding. I don't know how a college football fan would not want to watch that. But it it goes into great detail, all the things they got caught doing, and all the penalties and sanctions. And in in essence, it buried them, maybe not for life, but for about a good 30 to 40 years. The sanctions were so heavy-handed. And SMU, you know, we could be talking about SMU as a Big 12 school. If if the death penalty didn't happen, maybe that would have helped the Big Twelve for crying out loud. Uh, but in in essence, they were marginalized, and now they're in the American. They've been in other conferences uh, before, uh, and, and we haven't talked about them. I've been to SMU's campus; it's beautiful. You know, Dallas, like most big cities, has really nice parts and really crappy parts. Uh, they are in the really nice part. It's a good spot. I know a friend of mine who's actually an SMU alum. Good's great academic school. This is the kind of story we pull for in college football. How did they do it? Well, remember, Sonny Dykes, who actually was, was not that long ago developing and coaching Jared Goff into an NFL quarterback uh, and then was uh, an offensive analyst for a year at TCU, he, he kind of was just a forgotten man. And SMU takes a flyer on him and it's like, no big deal. Everybody remembers his dad, Spike, coached Texas Tech for 14 years. So he is a Texas guy through and through. So he knows Texas recruiting. But recruiting is not how they've done this, JC. 35 transfers, essentially a third of their roster. Uh, That has to be an FBS record. Thirty-five transfers are leading the way, and of course, Buchel at quarterback, former Texas Longhorn wide receiver Reggie Roberson, former West Virginia Mountaineer. Those are the guys leading the way, but that's how they did it. They just said, "Hey, look, we we, we know we gotta we gotta pick up people off the waiver wires, so to speak. We can't we can't win these battles in recruiting anytime soon? And let's just let's sell SMU for a kid that wants to play right away in a cool town with a cool school uh, and." The rest is history. They're doing great things over there, and I just think it's a terrific story.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, one of the, the teams at DEFCON, too, um, Arkansas, I, you know, there's a school of thought that goes, well, you know, Chad Morris recruited, you know, a good chunk of this team right. that uh, Dykes is, is coaching. But not really. <laughs> When you consider the transfer talent that they have. 35. I mean, you know, that's not a great sign if you're a Razorbacks fan when you're sitting there going, well, Dykes had to get 35 transfers in there. And, yeah, they're really good. And there are some players Morris recruited. I I thought Chad Morris actually did a great job there. Um, June Jones just kind of faltered out. You know, there was that situation where he was going to go, you know, take another job. I think he was going to take Arizona State. Uh, And then he backed out, and then it was just like, and it just kind of ended poorly. They were one of the worst teams in the country when Morris took over. So I do think Chad Morris deserves some credit for it. They had some big wins under him. But, uh, boy, Dykes has done a good job, and you're right. I mean, you know, SMU, they fell from grace in the 80s. Uh, I think it's very interesting that all the schools in the Southwest Conference back then were cheating, and the one that got tattooed the most was the one that Probably needed to cheat the most, <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, that and that is a great thirty for thirty. That's actually something I have seen Mike on, on television. So I figured that's uh, that is a great thirty for thirty. But yeah, hats off to those folks out there. You know, it's a it's a different era. They did beat TCU. That's a big rivalry uh, this year, and, and they do have a heck of a football team. So we will see how everything plays out in terms of you know SMU making a. You know, a uh, uh, New Year's Six bowl game or, or not, because you know our, our boys down at UCF they've already they've already lost too much. I think to to, to get in it this year. Uh, you know, this is the
0: blueprint for coaches that take over jobs that are just historically unwinnable, um, and that's what SMU was. And June Jones did have a, a good year too. I actually had his last game there, and they got blown out by somebody in the Big Twelve. And we had this great conference call and I was talking about the advent of the run and shoot and him and mouse Davis. And he was all energetic. They go out, they get thumped by 40 points and he quits the next day, just quits. I was like, wow. And SMU at that point was a train wreck. And then eventually, uh, yeah, like you said, I think Chad does deserve some credit there, Uh, but he did it in a different way. I think he was trying to build it from the ground up. And in some cases, in most cases, that is the way to do it, especially if you're going to be there for a while. But, if you're SMU and you want to you want to win in a relative short amount of period, you've got to go ahead and go to the transfer portal. And so they went ahead and reeled in thirty five of them. And I think other coaches that take jobs at these Group Five unwinnable situation schools or even. Power Five, like a Kansas, like something like that, you're going to have to do this. This is going, you know. Look, Texas Tech just went to a Final Four. Four of the teams on that basketball squad were transfers. You know, we've. If you look at some of the top quarterbacks in the country right now, they are transfers. The transfer portal is very much. College football is going to start resembling college basketball a little bit in this respect, where uh, if you can get your hands on a kid who's already got experience and is ready to play and you can't reel in top 20 recruiting classes every year at your particular job, it's not a bad way to do it. So anyway, you know, they might go out and, and lose two of their next five games in the American. I don't care. It's a good story. And it's, it's one of the few maybe that we've had surprise stories this year in college football. we haven't had a whole lot to be honest with you. Although I will add somebody else on DEFCON four and I, this might be short lived as well. And he's had a rough go of it in, in, as a head coach for the last few years. Talk about a guy whose stock has plummeted. But I'm going to give the fighting in some kudos. Arizona, big win at Colorado. They're now 4-1 and one overall. They're 2-0 and oh in the Pac-12, a league that's once again going to be shut out of the playoff. Uh, so for at least right now, Arizona's got something to smile about. And I'll give, uh, I'll give them a temporary DEFCON 4 status.
1: Yeah, and they've and we've seen since uh, their loss to Hawaii that Hawaii's a pretty good football team this year. Mm-hmm. Hawaii's got some. Uh, this is one of those Hawaii teams that's pretty good. So, you know, it's just kind of worked out that way. And um, yeah, good to see the Wildcats. You know, they say what do they say? They say bear down, bear down, Arizona. Um, of course, their mascot's not the bears; it's uh, it's um, the Wildcats. And I never really understood they they they. They spell it B E A R down, um, <laughs> so I don't know. But um,
0: <laughs> so much for that mystery.
1: Anyway, um, so it's, it's just one of those things. I've got a DefCon Four edition this week. Okay, out of Southeastern Conference, I'm going to put the Ole Miss Rebels on DefCon Four. Um, okay, I, I thought one of the big keys for Ole Miss this year was to you know they had you know, when you have Arkansas and Vanderbilt on the schedule. You need to beat them, <laughs> and uh, they've won both, and they handedly beat a Vanderbilt team that at times has given them trouble over the years, thirty-one to six. Vanderbilt, I think it's safe to say right now, worst team in the SEC by a long. They're
0: shot. on my DefCon too. Yeah, they've yeah.
1: Uh, they, they haven't done so well, but getting beat thirty-one to six by Ole Miss, lifeless offense. But I, I think winning games like that and keeping it afloat, and heck, that's mm-hmm. that's after putting up thirty-one at Bama. Um mm-hmm. it looks like things are coming together for Matt Luke and the two head coaches that he has coordinating both sides of the ball. And you know, you never know. Maybe the Rebels sneak up and get the bowl game this year and that certainly would make all their fans happy.
0: I'd love to see what Matt Luke I, I doubt he's gonna be able to keep those coordinators along, but I'd love to see what Matt Luke can do with an influx of some good recruits, which I think from when I was there a few weeks ago when I was told it is on the way. Um Uh, they're not going to get the Hugh Freeze type recruiting classes for various reasons. Um, But, but clearly when he took over, it was a rebuild minus a couple of pro wide receivers. There's so many holes on on that Ole Miss roster that he's had to go through Uh, everybody. And I mean, everybody in Ole Miss country is pulling for Matt Luke for so many reasons. The guy is, he is Ole Miss football. His family is Ole Miss football, and he's one of the most likable guys out there. Uh, we all know, though, that only goes so far. You still got to win games, but he's winning most of the games he was he's supposed to, and he won that one with a freshman quarterback, by the way. Uh, and Vanderbilt just looks just looks lifeless. I I don't know what to say about uh, Vanderbilt right now. I mean, they've got a a pro running back, a pro wide receiver, a pro tight end, uh, and usually you can r- at least put your money on Derek mason's defense to to be coached upright and do some good things but right now there's there's nothing going very well for vanderbilt this season which is why i put them on defcon two uh defcon three you know it's the same story i mean michigan they beat iowa it's a good win it's a good win Uh, the offense scores 10 points and that's why it's hard to really just start thinking that they've turned the corner in any way shape or form because you just don't see the offensive creativity or ingenuity or, or anything. But, I mean, I don't want to rain on the parade. That's why I put them on three. Three's not an awful place to be. But it's not a great place to be either. So 10-3 win over Iowa. Nice. Ugly, ugly game. Goodness gracious. Uh, that was I, – I sat there and I was kind of excited. Like, okay, a noon kickoff. If you noticed, what Fox has done as a network – they realize they can't compete in any other time slot with uh, ESPN in terms of the inventory and quality of games, uh, and nobody has been watching their pregame show for years. So now you go ahead and you say, we're going to put all our eggs into the, in the noon window. And it's smart. I give them credit because, look, I watch ESPN College Game Day every Saturday. That's been a ritual of mine for 20 years. And then 12 o'clock rolls around, and I want to see a good game at that point. And they've been putting together some good games. And on paper, this was a, a really fun matchup. And, yes, it was competitive for four quarters. We liked that. But it was ugly. <laughs> it was a big can of ugly on offense. And Michigan, it, it just doesn't seem like they're making the progress that you'd like to see at this point in time. So I'm putting them on DEFCON 3. I'm putting UCF on DEFCON 3. Back down to earth mm. uh, with another loss in the American against Cincinnati and uh, and then there's Miami, yeah, same old, same old, 2-3 and three overall, 0-2 in the ACC. Still hard to believe the Hurricanes were 10-0 and to start the season two years ago under Mark Richt, and it was, oh, my goodness, the Mark Richt era. We finally are going to return to the U, and then that goes down in flames, and then Mark Richt says, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this coaching thing, and now they've got a good hire, but it's still there's work to do, in Coral Gables. Uh, that's where the campus is, by the way, Miami fans. I know many Miami fans haven't actually been there. Uh, DEFCON 2, the Pac-12 is still the Pac-12. And I really don't have much else to say on the Pac-12. It's like, I, I want to fight it. I mean, Southern Cal's got a big game against Notre Dame. How about that?
1: I'm going to break a team off and give their their own slot uh, okay. in, in, in DEFCON 2, and that's UCLA. they go down to the Beavers of Oregon State last weekend.
0: Yeah, Um, not good.
1: Oregon State, man, that's a – now, I I like Oregon State's coach, and I I think that, you know, there'll be better days in Corvallis. But you're UCLA, I mean, you had a 50-point rally or whatever you did against Washington State. And, you know, since then you've just been kind of flat. I mean, you know, that's – UCLA probably is is not as good of a roster as people think, but it's probably better than Oregon State, and you get waxed by seventeen. That's just not, not good. Things are not going well for Chip Kelly um, out there. What's and, his uh, buyout? You see, I no idea, but um, I, I'm a feeling it's substantial. I mean, it's a it's it's a, it's a it's a star that has has sunk, my friend. I mean, look, I Big mean, time. didn't do that bad with the Eagles you know, sort of got a raw deal, then a disastrous year. With, I mean, he, since he's been back on the West Coast, it's just been one disaster after another. You so. know, the only
0: hope is if, if you're – well, obviously, if you're Chip uh, and if you're UCLA, because I don't think UCLA has the money to buy him out. They have been – you know, they've always had the reputation of being kind of frugal, and then they finally do spend money and nothing good has happened. You and I were both around – to watch and cover when Steve Spurrier took over South Carolina. And a lot of people just, they forget this. They remember two things. They remember the three consecutive 11-win seasons and all the good things he did toward the end. And then they remember the disastrous uh, finish where he quit in the middle of the season, recruiting completely dropped off, and and left a less than desirable position for whoever was going to take over that job. But what people forget is when he got that job, Right? It was coming off two ho hum seasons with the Washington Redskins, got paid, came back to college football. We all know what he did at Florida, what he did at Duke. Uh, I mean, right away in both spots, it didn't take him long. He was winning games and competing for stuff. Then he goes to South Carolina. 2005, they sneak into a bowl game. 2006, they don't go to a bowl game. 2007, 2008, 2009. These were not good years. It was five years of mediocrity. Then there were questions whether or not he's going to call plays or have his son call plays. Uh, And there was people. There were people out there that were kind of like, "We're getting a watered down version of a coaching legend." Don't know if this thing's really going to work out. People don't want to admit they thought that way now, but they did. They did. Um, Then, of course, he had a renaissance. Chip Kelly needs to find his his renaissance. He needs to go back and figure out what the hell he did to be so successful at Oregon uh and 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 rechannel that and somehow make it work in the college game again. Because I, I don't I can't think of another guy that has had this fall from grace so quickly the way Chip Kelly has.
1: I think uh I think he sort of fell in love with some of the pro style concepts that they have now in the NFL with the the run pass options and the things like that and he's been on record at UCLA as saying no I I had no intention of running the same offense I ran at Oregon and honest to God Mike that would if he would have told me that and I were the UCLA AD there's no way I hired Chip Kelly that's the only reason you hire Chip Kelly he's not a great recruiter not a guy that's going to be charismatic and raise a bunch of funds. He's not a guy that's going to put together this all-star coaching staff that's going to go recruit uh and, and 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 you know, and he's a guy that you you hire him because you want to be fast and exciting on offense. You want what he did in Eugene, Oregon to be in the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles. I, and I think the pro game is just a different game. And, and, and Mike, you and I watch NFL football, and we know that, yes, pro offenses these days are not just three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, they do have excitement uh, offensively. I mean, the Super Bowl last year notwithstanding, you know, you, you do have um, some situations where, you know, you go up and down the field, look at the Rams, you know, look what they do, look at the Eagles the year before. Um, Chip Kelly certainly left his stamp on that organization. But it is a different game. It is a different flow. You call it differently. It does not work on the collegiate level unless you have Alabama type talent. And, and I'm not talking about people, when, when I say pro style offense, people think I'm talking, you know, uh, 21 personnel, I formation. No. I'm talking about the pro-style RPOs that these teams try to do. You look at, at some of the, you know, where does it work? It works at Alabama with what Sarkeesian's doing. Well, look at the talent he's got. You know, it, it probably works a little bit at Georgia with what they're doing. Um, other places, it's a dumpster fire. And I think Chip Kelly, and that, that's my theory, I haven't asked Chip Kelly this, that Chip Kelly got ruined by falling in love with offensive concepts that do work on the NFL level and trying to implement them at UCLA when he has less than desirable talent. You know, Oregon never had the talent, like a bunch of – I mean, they had talent, but it wasn't like, you know, Alabama. They just went super-duper fast and ran you out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what the expectation was at UCLA. And, I, I you know, losing like that to Oregon State is, is feckless – in my opinion, and and sad, and and you know, I I just I hope he snaps out of it. I, I just uh, it's just kind of one of those things where yeah, maybe you need to give him some time, and he has a renaissance, like you said. But uh, it's just extremely ugly right now.
0: It is, and and sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I'll go one I'll go one step further on the Spurrier analogy. Uh, those those years that he did put up the the, the successful ones. Um, you know, the, uh, basically a four-year run where he averaged about 10 wins a game. And, again, there were circumstances. It wasn't the best Eastern Division in the world, as we know. They didn't win the SEC during that time. But they had taken he had taken South Carolina to the new heights. There's no doubt about that. He's the all-time winningest coach there. Uh, put together the best three-year stretch, best four-year stretch. And obviously had a lot of good talent in the process. We could do a whole uh, podcast on that. But he also reinvented himself. He wouldn't run in the same kind of stuff he was was running at Florida. They weren't doing that kind of stuff. Uh, He had a scrappy quarterback in Connor Shaw that did a lot of running, which was never a a thing that he was a fan of at Florida. Uh, It it wasn't, we're going to go ahead and throw for 400 yards a game and break all kinds of SEC passing records. He had to completely reinvent his overall philosophy on how they won games. And they won a lot of games – Playing lower scoring defensive battles uh, during that stretch, I don't know if Chip Kelly's capable of that. I don't know if Chip Kelly because I, I don't think what he was doing at Oregon before is going to work as well now. E- eventually, everybody catches up to certain things, you know. If, if Spurrier ran the offense he was running at Florida in the SEC when no when defensive coordinators like we haven't seen nothing like this before, holy, uh, and they were just getting thrashed nowadays that offense it'd be good with the right talent but it's not you're not throwing for 400 a game just based on your scheme alone so i don't know if chip can can uh reinvent himself but he's got to do it because again he's never going to win personality points we know that uh he has to he has to be a scheme guy to be an effective leader and head coach And if the scheme's not working, what else are you getting? He's not a great recruiter. He's not going to win the press conference. He's not going to impress boosters. He's not uh, the face of your program in a lot of ways. He has no ties to UCLA. So what does he offer you? And isn't it funny to think that this was the guy that was the choice ahead of Dan Mullen for Florida? Do you remember how disappointed Florida fans were? They didn't get Chip Kelly, and they they quote-unquote settled for Dan Mullen?
1: And I'll tell you this, Mike. Had Chip Kelly tried to do at Florida what he's doing at UCLA, they they would not be – I don't know how successful he would be. (laughs) Um, It's just – it's shocking. And you're right. You do have to kind of reinvent yourself, but I almost think – uh you know, okay, you mentioned Steve Spurrier and this and this will we probably need to get off this topic here in a second, but yeah um one thing if you notice it was at South Carolina Steve Spurrier did have different types of quarterbacks. He had a really good defense. Um they they implemented the zone read running game. Connor Shaw and Steven Garcia both did their share of running from the quarterback position. But he still would call plays and design plays and, and you know, at times. Um, first touchdown against Alabama in 2010. He ran this little screen pass to Marcus Lattimore. They installed it that week. It was like almost a penalty. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, that kind of thing. You know, it, you look at what he did with the Orlando Apollos, um, if any of you watched the AFL this spring. Wow. And I, cool. I was very impressed. Garrett Gilbert, he had him playing at a high level. And, and you looked out and you saw it wasn't the fun and gun but it wasn't necessarily what he's doing at South Carolina either. It was, it was it 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 was it was a it was another kind of, you know, spurrier 3.0 uh if you will. But still the, the basics, the basic of who he is never changed. You know, he's a guy that likes to throw the ball. He's going to run semi or steamers or all the names he calls his plays. They're going to have that in the playbook even if the the execution and philosophy is different. Um, Chip Kelly, uh, you know, I, it just looks like a different coach. Looks like they hired some, you know, OC from a pro team that's just out there trying to run a a complex offense um, that maybe the kids just can't run these days. And then, then, you know, of course, they're bad on defense as well. So, I, you know, I don't know what needs no. to happen out there, but I, I'd like to see the old Chip Kelly back. And, you know, Florida fans who are mad about that, uh, maybe you shouldn't be mad because I think that you you probably got the better end of that deal. Oh, yeah,
0: I I think there's still no question. I uh, I don't think anybody's yearning for <laughs> Jim Kelly to go to Gainesville at this point in time. Uh, Dan Mullen certainly seems like the, the right guy for uh, for that job. Uh, Defcon one. I mentioned Rutgers. I mean, I don't want to keep beating up on Rutgers. It's counterproductive. But um, you know, Tennessee's still there. They at home against Georgia. Now they do have a freshman quarterback that has. Some excitement now. I think we might be seeing the end of the Garantano era, mm. but um, it's just a, it's another reminder when you when you play a game like that and you you pretty much get blown out in the second half. It's pretty. It's a remind, It's a stark reminder of where you are versus where one of your former peers is, and that's Georgia. Um, but uh, again. I I nobody expected Tennessee to win the game so it's not like they they lost stock they're just kind of just kind of staying where they are and at some point they need to get more talent in there and that'll be the job for Jeremy Pruitt and company anything else stand out to you over this this past weekend
1: yeah i, I thought mauer was good for tennessee like as you mentioned but i i call that the nickel nickelback game um i think that's going to be a new JC-ism here on the podcast the nickelback game because um, that's how they reminded the Vols of who they really are. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Nickelback song for those uh, I of got, you. I, you know, I,
0: I, I'm embarrassed to admit that I did get that
1: reference. That's actually kind of a badass song, to be honest. If you're talking about Nickelback, because the first time I heard it, I was like, this is this song kind of jams, you know, and I'm like, and they're like, there you go. It was back when I listened to the radio, you know, that was Nickelback for you, ninety three three, The Planet, you know, and I'm like, holy crap. It's Nickelback, and I just gently like turned off my radio, pulled my car over and stared out of the window for 30 minutes. <laughs> I was like, "I can't believe I just like that, but yeah, that's how, that's how, you know, this is how the dogs reminded them of who they really are. Anyway, uh, I'm going to put another team on Defcon One. Just because they weren't competitive in a game that in a division game they should have been, and the writings on the wall, they got upset by Eastern Michigan earlier this year, the fighting lovey Smiths and the Illinois Illini. I yeah. yeah I'm going with them and it may be a stretch to put them at Defcon one right now because i don't I think apathy has set in with that program uh. but um it it's just a it's a sad situation, you know they go on the road, and Minnesota you mentioned piers Minnesota's good, maybe been better than Illinois. In recent years, but th- that should be their peer, and you should be better than forty to seventeen, um, right there. So I'm going to sneak the Illini in to DefCon one.
0: I wouldn't argue with that. It's I, gosh, I was there ten years ago to call a, an Illinois game. I think they're playing Northwestern. Juice Williams was the quarterback. Aurelius Ben was the wide receiver. Uh, that was one year removed from a BCS game. It was the Orange Bowl they went to. Mm-hmm. in 2008. No, the Rose, they went to the Rose Bowl, dude. They went to the Rose Bowl, you're right. right.
1: Bowl. Ron Zook took them to the Rose Bowl.
0: Ron Zook took them to the Rose Bowl, and, and then eventually, uh, you know, Northwestern was on the ascension under Coach Fitzgerald, and Illinois was on the decline, and they've just continued to decline. Uh, apathy is definitely set in in, in Champaign, uh, and I don't know what they thought they were getting in Lovie Smith, but... That that hire never made, and they paid him a boatload of money too. So, um, yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 it's it's been a long long time since the the Jeff Georges of the world, mm. the Simeon Rices of the world, the Kevin Hardy uh, mm. of the world. Yeah, I mean they had some talent back. It's not like you can't win at Illinois for crying out loud, but they're they're very. Very bad, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uh, hope there. Oh, by the way, I, I did forget to mention one more of on my DEFCON four list, only because I praised him so much last last week, but I'll do it again this week. Matt Rule five and zero now, mm. Baylor defeating Kansas State after defeating Iowa State. Uh, he has to be in consideration for national coach of the year with the job that he's done, and uh, you just got to remember how how awful that Baylor situation was when he took that job over. Uh, I did want to go over. This was kind of interesting to me, J.C. This is an uh, an article by uh, Adam Rittenberg of VSPN. And since we're now, we're now, you know, we're half, basically we're almost halfway through. Everybody will be halfway through after this week. It's still unusual to have a two-by season. I don't like it, by the way. I hope we never have a season with two buys again. But um, biggest obstacle for every college football playoff contender. And I'll just read this quickly. I won't, I won't go knee-deep. Alabama, number one. Uh, and, of course, they've got AM, They've got Tennessee. they got Arkansas. Fatal flaw, defensive front. Now, we have never said that about a Nick Saban, Alabama team, right? But the, the defensive front has not been Alabama-like. They, they, they really haven't. When you look at their numbers and how teams have been running against them, throwing against them, getting big plays, Look, they lost a lot, and I know we always just assume. What was Nick Saban's favorite quote? Yeah, we're just going to bleep out another five-star and plug him right in and not miss a beat. Well, they had missed a beat this year. That is not your typical Alabama defense. Uh, we've seen It's not like just one little blip on the radar. We've seen it time and time again, whether it's South Carolina rolling up a bunch of yards, Ole Miss, a bunch of points. they They are not the absolute juggernaut that we're used to seeing uh, from an Alabama team. I think from 2009 to 2018, Alabama led FBS in yards per rush allowed, 2.8. That was a half yard better than anybody else. And and this year it's well over three, if not four. I don't have the exact number in front of me. So they've, they've definitely um, shown a little bit of chinks in the armor, but that would be the number for Alabama that would be their – perhaps fatal flaw for Clemson turnovers Trevor Lawrence throwing picks last year uh, Clemson was tied 23rd nationally in turnover margin they were plus seven Lawrence only had four picks and 397 pass attempts he's already got five in a 136 pass attempts and I know you say well eventually they'll just clean that up maybe they will maybe they won't sometimes that's just part of a team's DNA and it could be troublesome for Clemson if they don't clean it up for Georgia Conservative schemes is what he says, uh, and this has been the criticism of of Kirby Smart. It doesn't come out until they lose a the game, but you know you've got all these weapons, and you've got a, an NFL quarterback in Jake Fromm, and there's even even with a new offensive coordinator, still the criticism is sometimes a little bit too conservative on offense. Ohio State offensive line, again, Ohio State's winning the beauty contest right now. Nobody's looked better so far, and they still have. Upcoming at Northwestern, Wisconsin at home. And, of course, we know how the season ends is pretty brutal uh, toward the end. But uh, the O-line at times has not been as dominant as you might think. That's nitpicking, again, because Ohio State has looked as good as anybody. Number five, LSU, lack of defensive playmaking. Much like much like Alabama, we're not used to saying that with LSU. And this was supposed to be maybe the best secondary in the country. Uh, but LSU's defense has not been outstanding this year. Uh, they have 13 sacks overall, but they haven't been consistently disruptive. They haven't been the, the shutdown defense that a lot of people thought. You know, And with the games they've got coming up, they're going to be tested. For Oklahoma, it's pass protection. Again, they haven't needed it a whole lot. And then if you go th- 7 through 10, Florida, offensive line uh, and offense on the road, we'll see that against LSU. Wisconsin, quarterback play doesn't matter if Jonathan Taylor is racking up 200 a game, but eventually you're going to need to make big throws. Notre Dame, week remaining schedule, and Penn State, number 10, road schedule, young offense. So I thought that was kind of interesting, just to kind of break down the teams that are still, quote-unquote, in the hunt and what could ultimately do them in.
1: Yeah, I think with Ohio State, you know, the offensive line probably isn't ideal, but you do have a mobile quarterback in Justin Fields. I I think Clemson's turnovers – are going to keep games closer than maybe they should be, but I don't know that they'll lose. Um, I talk about Alabama, you know, the defensive front. I I, I still am of the opinion that those guys are just young uh, and they just need to get better, you know. And and, and I think that if there's a program in the country that can take some freshmen and sophomores, and and I don't know that it's just their D-line, Mike. I think it's the whole middle of their defense. Uh, I think you're when you lose a guy like Moses in the preseason – When you lose a guy like Quentin Williams to the draft and and you have a freshman like D.J. Dale in there um, and you've had a kind of a revolving door with guys being banged up and stuff, it's tough to get cohesive, uh, especially in that scheme, you know, that that requires a very strong front seven. So um, I do think they'll get better as the year goes on, but better enough to where LSU doesn't go up and down the field on them or even Auburn on the plains. I mean that's uh that's going to be difficult and you know if you're Texas A&M this weekend, uh, you know, and, and you're able to run the ball against them, that could be an equalizer. Uh, of course, we'll talk about that in our later episode this week. And that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this week. I do
0: want to mention uh, BP Skinner Clothiers for all your clothing needs. There's only one thing better than wearing a nice suit or sports jacket. It's doing it when the weather is cooled off. And now you can really Uh, embrace the fact that you can look your very best and feel your very best and do so in uh, comfortable climates as well give brent skinner and the great sales staff at bpskinnerclothiers.com i say sales staff and i use that term kind of reluctantly because you don't have to deal with any quote unquote sales staff brent's going to come to you you just contact them he'll bring all the materials everything you need the great selection of uh, jackets suits shirts uh accessories and again all custom made and if you mention that you heard it on jc and morgan he'll throw, throw in a free custom made shirt with any purchase of a sports coat or suit and again he will come out to you for free that's bpskinnerclothiers.com go to the website set up an appointment and you'll be very, very glad that you did, and you will look your very best. J.C., we hope to sound our very best on our next podcast, too, which will be later on in the week previewing this weekend of action, which is a a busy one featuring some sexy matchups, at least on paper. Until then, for J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long. Thanks for joining us on J.C. and Morgan.